0: series through the book of First Peter as we look at hope that God provides us today. We're going to look at um, hope beyond temptation as we are still here and we struggle to be like Jesus and, and to live like Him. Before I get in the message, just a word, keep in prayer. This Tuesday at Virginia High School, they're going to have a speaker by the name of Joel Penton. Joel actually travels around the country, does school assemblies, talks about the importance of being people of character when you graduate high school and move on, but his real passion and beyond that is becoming one who loves Jesus, and so he is uh, uh, trying to get the churches in the area to to come not only um, to the event Tuesday night at school, but afterward where he can share the gospel Because in the school system, they won't let you share the gospel. They're going to meet at a place afterward on Tuesday night. So I encourage you to think about that, be in prayer with that. And, of course, uh, their team had told me, we want other churches to know because when teenagers come to Christ, they need to plug into a church. And so, you know, through God's grace, hopefully, we can be a part of that kingdom outreach as well. So just Keep that in prayer. All right, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look this morning at our text from 13 to verses 21. I'm going to ask when you find that text, if you'll stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially... Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Let's pray. God, as we bow our hearts to you, Lord, we confess that without you, we don't have hope, Lord. I thank you for this letter that says over and over again, there's hope. And that hope is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what He has done. And what He is doing. And I pray that this morning as we talk about this issue of hope beyond temptation. That You might speak to us, Lord. And that You might remind us that we are called to be intentional, Lord. Because we're, as the song says, prone to wander. Prone to leave the Lord I love. And so we just need to catch sight of You, the living God, again. So I pray for that, Father. Take the weakness of my effort infused by your awesome Holy Spirit that we might hear from you because we need you, Lord. So we invite you to speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Salvation, uh, someone has said, has three phases. We are saved from the penalty of our sin isn't that marvelous to think about? The Bible tells us that we're, we're sinners, that we are rebels and our fight is against God. And as a result of that, we're in real trouble. Because we are rebels against God, that clash with God means that unless something happens, we're headed to face Him. And guys, that's a losing battle. It always is to be at odds against the living God. Because He's the Creator and the Sustainer and He's all-powerful and we're not. But it says that in Christ the good news is through His finished work, we are saved from the penalty of sin. What we deserve is not what we receive because we receive His mercy and His forgiveness. That's the good news of Christ. So we're saved from the penalty of sin. Secondly, we are saved from the power of sin. And this message is going to hit in this second part of salvation. We are saved from the power of sin. But there is still this battle that goes on in the King James. That talks about our old man. And that old man being crucified. And, and, and how we need to remember who and whose we are. And, 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 and that he work within us. And then the third factor is that we will be saved in the very presence of sin. You see, one day, when we step through eternity, Jesus is our Savior and Jesus is our Lord. There'll be no more of sin battle, no more sin struggle, for in the presence of heaven, there is no sin because it's the home of God. And it's where we changed in a moment by the very power of God, sin will be gone. But for now, we're stuck Battling the power of sin. We're stuck battling temptation. Ray Steadman, a a seminary professor, used to say when Jesus talked about living in a crooked and perverse generation or world, it just means that there's a bunch of crooks and perverts. As we look around us, we see things are broken. And that that is easy to see and we need the very power of God to live in this broken world. But the truth of the matter is, He gives us power over sin. He doesn't just take us out of this place. We're still here. We're not directly in the presence of God in heaven. We're still here, and we're here for a purpose. is to become like Christ. Turn me to John 17. The prayer that Jesus uttered that's been recorded for us, and it was just before He went through the suffering... Of the scourging and the crucifixion. He gives this prayer to those who follow him. I want to read verses 15 through 17. Of John 17. He says my prayer. Is not that you take them out of the world. But that you protect them. From the evil one. They're not of the world. Even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. By your truth. Your word. Is true. So the idea is not to be a holy hermit. The idea is, I'm going to live for Jesus. If I have to hide out in my house and be away from all those messed up people, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be set apart for Him. But that's not the call. He doesn't say that I'm taking you out of the world. I want to protect you from the evil one. I'm going to protect you so that you may be like Jesus and you might be able to leak Jesus in this world that's broken among people who face so much hurt and pain and, and need to know that there's hope. That, that need to know that we don't have to live in this world system, but that there is hope beyond that. And it's in his truth, Jesus' is truth, his word is truth. The battle that we face, it says that it's called the world. And when it's talking about the world, it's not talking about the the globe that we live on, the planet that we live on. is talking about a specific system where there's no room for God, that's in rebellion against God, that's in this fight against God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, we read, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. What does that look like? Well, let me take, let's just take a couple of minutes uh, as we talk about... That we can be holy. And, and look in First John. And I want to look at chapter 2. In verses 15 through 17. As there is a description there. Of what it looks like. This world system. It says do not love the world. And he, he's referring to that system. that's opposed to God. Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're called to love, aren't we? Jesus said, love one another. Jesus said, they'll know me by the way that you love. And and he says here, you can't love because you don't have the love of the Father in you if your pursuit is just for this world, just for this place, and not for God what does that look like to follow this world this system here well he goes on to describe that in verse 16 he says for everything in the world the cravings of sinful man i got to have more i got to have it now i got to enjoy it as they said get all you can can all you get sit on the can you know that that's those cravings the lust of his eyes he's constantly looking Constantly longing. And I know in the updated uh, NIV it says the pride of life, but I I love here in the older translation I use the NIV it says the boasting of what he has and does. He's always telling you what he has. I'm going to give you that list of what I own, and I've got to tell you what I've done. Got to boast about it. Got to make myself look good. What does he say? He says, This does not come. From the Father, but from the world. And then in verse 17, he says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. If you live just merely for this system, this world, and it's passing away. It, it doesn't last. It may look good for the moment, but it's only there a short time. The Bible says we're like a mist or we're like a vapor. It's here for a little while and then we're gone. And and the call though is that that's not to Marcus, that's not to Marcus. No, what's to Marcus is to be set apart for Him. It's to be holy. And look at we're going to look at our text in regard to that. Back in 1 Peter, starting at verse thirteen, I want you to see how intentional this is. You don't just happen to follow Jesus. You don't just happen to be connected to Him and out of this world system. It takes intentionality. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. There, there's a picture of a battle. There's a picture of a war. And he says, you need to prepare your minds for action. In other words, the battle's here. It's it's what you're reading. It's what you're seeing. It, it It's what you're placing in your mind. There's a battle that's going on. And the world system, well, it's all over the movies, all over the TVs, all over many of the popular books. And there's a battle that goes on. Is it consistent with what God teaches? And most of the time, there's the battle. We see it. He says, prepare your minds for action realize that if you're not even aware of the war, you're losing the war. And then he says, be self-controlled. That's to be intentional. It means, God, help me. Help me to follow you. Help me to realize I'm in this battle. Give me strength. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. And then there's the hope. He says, set your hope fully. On the grace to be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. How often do you think about that? How often do you think about what awaits you in heaven? How often do you think about Him? How often do you think about that grace that's around the corner? And none of us know how far that corner is until we're going to enter into eternity, do we? Twice says be ready. But we're not... To be ready and leave it alone. No, it's to mark our lives. It's it's to mark what we do when we get up. It's to mark where we go. It's to mark who we are. That we are aware of that grace that is constantly at work. And then he goes on in verse 14. He says "As obedient children. He doesn't assume that these believers are wanting to just live in sin and show up at church and Leave and not live for Christ or love Jesus and follow Him. That's the way we're to be. I don't want to constantly be thinking, well, you guys, I know what you do. You leave here and you live like the devil and then you show up for church next week. And that's the only time you think about Jesus. Paul didn't do that. As he spoke to his church, he said, I know you guys love the Lord. And you're obedient to Him. And so I'm giving you this plea because I know that your heart. You want to follow God. You don't want to live those evil desires you had just when you lived in ignorance, when you didn't know about Christ and His forgiveness and His power and, and His Holy Spirit. You want to be His and you want to belong to Him and you want to lead Jesus. I know you do. He says, just as He who called you is holy. Hey, be holy in all you do. I've used so many times the uh, uh, the guy that got saved at Marshall College when I was in school, and, and I heard him tell another guy, he says, if you can't get down on your knees and ask God to bless it, it ain't worth doing. And that's what this is talking about. It, can you get down on your knees? Can, can you ask God to bless it? Is it set apart? Is it sacred for Him? Man, that's what your life needs to be marked by. That that That, that, that needs to be you. It, as we follow the Father, To reflect His glory. So it's written, verse 16, Be holy because I am holy. In 1 Peter 3.15, a couple of chapters further on, He says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. It's always this, that question, God, is my heart yours? Father, when I make this choice, does it reflect that my heart belongs to You? That You are being glorified in me? Can I get down on my knees and ask you to bless it, Lord? You know, we need help in this. We need prayer. Um, We have, uh, during this service every week, we have a faithful prayer warrior that is in our prayer room praying, not taking things for granted, asking God to fill His Spirit in every part of our service when we sing, when we pray, when we give, through the preaching of His Word, um, through our faithfulness to Him. That's being bathed in prayer. And, and what a wonderful ministry. And the truth of the matter is, we ought to pray a lot more than we do. The truth of the matter is, sometimes we talk about God and then we move on without asking Him to empower us. And our heart needs to be about reaching out. You know, I told you guys last week, I listened to this thing on um, the Dream Center where this guy went to Los Angeles, been there 20 years working with homeless people and crime's gone down 73% in that community. It's an amazing story of, of people just learning about Christ and then being changed by His power and and then coming out of difficult circumstances and 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 learning about Christ, learning about his love and what he's up to. And anyway, it was interesting. Uh, Jim on Focus on family, he said, well, what advice would you give to those of us who you know, don't live in the inner city where uh, there's that kind of pain? And what do we do? And he said, well, here's the way to live your life. He said, find a need, fill it. Find a hurt, heal it. Just start looking around. He said, they're everywhere. Find a need, feel it. Find a hurt, feel it. We had this week, maybe you know Tom Rogers, who's lived among us for a a long time before I was here. And uh, he, matter of fact, he said, Please tell the people at Kingsway Baptist Church, thank you, that you guys have loved me for years. And. He's, you know, he got kind of choked up, and he said, um, "Thank you." Tom had an opportunity to go live with his son. You know, he lived in a trailers, literally falling apart. Man, I'd walk on the floor, and it was spongy. And you think, am I going to go through the floor of this trailer? Had a roof it's leaking in a couple of places. He was separated from his son for years. Uh, it's a really sad situation. They were separated and, and you know, after years and years they were able to get back together. Tom went down on Father's Day. His son lives on Florida. floor. Spent some time with him. And anyway, through some circumstances his son said, hey, why don't you come down here and you can just live with me. And so Tom was just able to head down there and, and uh, some people at church were able to, to help him and love him and, and provide some you know, find a need, to fill it, able to do some of that and so that Tom was able to head down there and he called me. said, I got there. You know, I'm down here in Florida with my son. Please tell everybody, thank you. That I love them. Find a need. heal it. Find a hurt. Heal it. Where's it at? Well, just start looking. They're everywhere. That's, that's Christ. I, we, we've got to be a church that begins to look around. It's just so easy to just not look around. Just think about me. Mm, you know, hey, what am I going to eat? What am I going to do? That's not the call. The call is that we need to remember how the grace has been given to us and look around and find the need and feel it find the hurt and heal it in the power of Christ. You know, I got to thinking this week, I heard a guy talking about importance of prayer and I thought, you know, I'm going to ask you guys to do this because I think it's important. Take a minute every day. One minute. Oh, you guys can take one minute and pray And say, God, help me to see. Help me to see the people around me. Give me an opportunity to tell them about you, about Jesus, and um, maybe invite them to church. And second thing is, not only give me an opportunity, just ask God. God, bring people here so we can love them. Maybe we can find a need, fill it, find a hurt, and Christ, hell it. And I was going to say, you know, let's set our clocks, our phones. Now, I have my watch, but the truth is everything goes through my phone. I'm I'm lost without my phone. So I set this thing. I set my phone. Now, I thought at first I was going to set it at 12 o'clock, take that minute every day. I said, that's a bad idea because we'll have phones ringing at 12 o'clock because this preacher can't finish at 12 o'clock. It's just so hard. But 1 o'clock. Wouldn't it be awesome, 1 o'clock every day, all of us take one minute and just have that outward heart for one minute. God, bring somebody into my life that I can tell about Jesus. Help me to find the need and feel it, to find a hurt and to heal it. And God, bring people here so that we can uh, please you. So take that minute, 1 o'clock, like I said, not 12 o'clock. <laughs> 1 o'clock each day, encourage that. Verse 17, we're called to live our lives in reverent fear. What he says in the text, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, you live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. God doesn't judge unfairly. You know, we hear a lot about, Certain people are disadvantaged and there's prejudice. I mean, I get it, but not God. God sees the heart. God takes away all the layers of the other stuff that we mark each other and judge each other by. He sees the heart. That's our God. And we're to live our lives here in reverent fear. Seeing a God who does not judge impartially, but sees the truth. And this is a reminder. Why Why is it fear? Why is it reverent fear? It's not talking about heaven. You know, it's not that we sit around and say, I wonder if I'm going to heaven. I wonder if I'm going to heaven. I wonder if I'm going to heaven. No. The Bible says that you may know that you have eternal life. Because he who knows the Son has life. That's in the Son. That's wrapped up. When he's talking about judgment here, he's talking about the fact what it talks about in Romans 12. Um, Romans 14:12 in Romans 14:12 it says, "So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. There's going to be a time where there's an accounting. And what it's about, it's described in First Corinthians three. turn there with me a minute I spend a little bit of time here, is that looking at that description, it's not an accounting of will we go to heaven, it's an accounting of what we have done. And will it last? Will it last? Does it matter? And he describes that starting at verse 10, 1 Corinthians 3. He says, by the grace God's given me, Paul writing, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it, that each one should be careful how he builds for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. It's always Jesus. He's the foundation. He's the message, okay? He's he's what our lives are to be built on. He's the one that brings the hope that we're talking about in the book of 1 Peter. Then he goes on to explain this. If any man builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Is what we say and what we do going to last? What a question. You think about that as you go through your day. God, is is what I'm doing going to last? Notice what he says. His work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he's built survives, he will receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And who wants to go to to heaven singed? Right. May our lives look look for a hurt and heal it. Look for a need and fill it. Look for Jesus, that message to be shared. To say, God, in, in that one minute a day, God, help me see people that need you. Give me opportunity. Bring them into my path. Give me the words. Give me the courage to share those words. Because there's a judgment about what we're doing that we will face one day. Ben Johnson in the 1988 Olympics shocked everybody when he beat our guy, the American, Carl Lewis. What a shock. But it turned out that he illegally used steroids to build his body. And so he had that medal stripped from him. See, in the end, he was caught. God knows. God knows our hearts. and So we have to ask that question about Him and living for Him. And finally, of you know, this message, um, we're to remember what our inheritance cost our Savior. Look at our text, uh, starting at verse 18. You know, it was not with perishable things that we consider valuables, such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Our salvation's in Jesus. God, the only one who is holy, the one without blemish, the one without defect, who does not deserve condemnation, became condemnation for us. As we talked about last week, I love that second Corinthians. 521, that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Man, what awesome truth. What awesome truth. It says that he, verse 20, was chosen before the creation of the world was revealed in these last times for your sake. We begin to see. Christ And and that's to be set apart when we begin to remember why we're here and what He's done in our lives and and the message that we're called to to get out and that other people might discover that hope that we have discovered, that we have found. Guys, that's what it's about. What does it look like without Christ? Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at these four verses here. Um, He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who suffered in his body is done with his sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but for the will of God. And then, he discover, then he talks about what it means to live for this world system. He says, you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, idolatry. they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. They don't understand you. man, why don't you want to join the party? You because I don't need the party. I found the savior. they don't they don't understand that they they don't get that. Their lives often is just like one party after another, one hangover after another, one round of guilt after another. And it's just a portrait of utility. But Jesus says, it that stuff doesn't save you. But the precious blood of Christ, the one that was chosen, the one through which you believe in God, who raised Christ from the dead, verse 21, and glorified Him. And so that is where our faith and our hope are rooted. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It goes on it says, Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Just four closing truths I want to share. First, we need to consider uh, what we're thinking about, where our minds are. We need to prepare our minds for action. We need to be self-controlled. We need to set our hope fully on the grace to be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. Secondly, we need to think about what awaits us in eternity. I love what it says of Moses in Hebrews eleven twenty-six. He thought that it was better to suffer for the promised Christ than to own all the treasures of Egypt for he was looking forward to the great reward that God would give him. That's from the New Living Translation, Living Bible. Third, give greater thought to the consequences than to the pleasure of sin. Too often we think, oh, that sounds so good. I want that. Whether it's that relationship where you look at that person and go, mm, that person's fine, 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 fine. I just want to be with that person. Or you think, man, if I could just get that money. And then before you know it, you can start making these little decisions that are corrosive and erode away your faith. And then you find, up, find yourself somewhere you never intended to be. See, there's a cost. There, there's a cost with sin. And you see people that are broken because they've taken a road where God was left out. Think about that as you're tempted. What is this going to cost me? Is it going to cost me my marriage? Is it going to cost me my health? Is it going to cost me my job? Maybe jail time? What is it going to cost me? What is it going to cost me? And then fourth, start each day by renewing your sense of a reverence for God. I love that Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a way to start each day. Okay, God, here I am, oh ugly me, warts and all. I'm going to bow before you. Father, I want to be crucified. This is something to do every day. Someone has said the problem with laying your life on the altar is that a living sacrifice is always trying to crawl off. So it takes every day. God, I want this day to be yours. Use me, take me for that, God. And then lastly, uh, during each day, take some time out. That's what we talked about with a minute. It can be more than a minute. And really think about Jesus. We just get Our day gets cluttered. And we don't take the time. Sometimes we just need to take some time just to refocus our hearts. Set your hope fully on grace to be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, as I think about that, we just need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. You know, we think about love. Love. How good it feels. Can you remember some of that? You know, first time you fell in love, you thought, ooh, man. You know, lo- that young love something else. And, and a lot of times, like even with People that can't see each other very much say it's long distance. There's those hours of late night, heart pounding, phone conversations. You think, oh, if I could just hold her, be with her, you know, all that stuff. Or the constant texting. I love you, honey bear. You know, back and forth. Because now, you know, instead of love letters, that's what people do all day. So next time you see your neighbor you don't know what they're doing, right? <laughs> but anyway, there there's this constant sense of love, this heart pounding conversations, pillows that are soaked with tears. Oh, if he was just in my arms, okay, you know, I get it. Those, you know, tell but the most telling symptoms is that glazed look. Like, hey, she's on another planet. Where is he? You know where you know where they are. Thinking about that sweet thing. You know, that, that hunk to to be with and and just, you know, Romeo's thinking, Oh Juliet, oh Juliet, wherefore art thou, honey You know? That kind of thing. why there's just a, a longing. There's a deep longing to be with that person. God calls us to to love him. You see, he pursues us. I know it's different, but It's a love that is perfect. It's a love that is for us. I mean, why else would his son come to a cross and die? You know, I hear people say, well, you can find God any way you want. If that's true, why would Jesus die on a cross? What a terrible way to die. There's only one reason for that it was necessary for us to be loved. If you have not found that love, no better time than now. Just stop and say, "Okay, God. I'm a mess. You're the master. Save me. Forgive me. Give me that new start and show me what that kind of love's all about." Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We are tempted and we need your freedom. God, I pray this morning that you might move among us, Lord. Maybe we need to come to the altar to pray, to set ourselves apart. Maybe we just need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I realize I was being a little silly with my illustration. But Father, your love's a deep love, God. We can't even explain it. It's inexhaustible. And it's always there. Father, you don't leave us like sometimes we get left in our other relationships. Father, you don't hurt us. Like sometimes we get hurt because well, you're unconditional, Lord, in your love. And I just pray you speak to us about that. And maybe someone is here and they've heard that call, you're wooing. And they said, I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior and to be forgiven and have that new start. What a great time to do that. Lord, just speak to hearts, and may we just say yes to you, God. If it's to pray and say, God, forgive me a sinner, live in my heart, make me new. If if someone prays that, I know you hear. And you say, I will come live in your heart and give you a new start. Do that, Father, we need you. As we stand and as we sing, Lord, may your presence be evident. In Christ's name we pray, amen.